Come away with me in the night. Come away with me, and I will write you a song. Come away with me. Come away where they can't tempt us with their lies. And I want to walk with you. Good evening or good afternoon, good morning, wherever you roam. And welcome to the, the Man in the Black Suit podcast. Uh, we are glad so glad that Leslie has made it back from her trip safe and sound (laughs) hey everybody welcome to the podcast hi Joni so good to see that you were able to join us today um yes it's hard to believe that at this time last week I was sitting in a cafe called Moose a la mode (laughs) podcasting live from Anchorage Alaska and uh, here I am sitting at Har- in my house in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It's kind of shocking. I, I woke up uh, this morning uh, midair flying back from Portland, Oregon, and uh, just had a remarkable trip as um, thankfully a safe flight home. Um, just had a really, really great uh, West Midwest, uh, West and Northwest adventure. Uh, which we dubbed lovingly the Calamity Janes. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> it was really it fit. I have to tell you. <laughs> it was uh, it was a wild, wild western adventure, but it was really great. Hey, KK, so Hi, glad KK. to see you. I bet. I bet. It had to yeah. be a, a fun trip for you guys. It it was remarkable. Um, oh, I'm so glad KK's listening on her way home from work. I, I have to say, um, we, I, as some of you know, I'm trying to see all 50 states before I turn 50. Uh, my, one of my dear friends from college, uh, and I have to see all of them together, which is part of our game when we started this at the end of 2015. So, um, with the completion of this trip, we only have 13 more states to go. Um, and this leg was going from Denver, Colorado, through Utah. We saw three national parks in two days, including uh, the Arches in Moab, Utah, wow. Yellowstone, as well as the Grand Tetons. Oh, um, awesome. It was phenomenal. We were actually at Yellowstone two weeks ago today on the 4th of July and saw Old Faithful. Um, and, you know, that part... Uh, it's almost like I said to my my friends because I had uh, we had another uh, friend join us and then uh, in different parts of the trip we had other people as well um, visiting and and we stopped and visited friends and um, really had some wonderful hosts uh, but it was almost like five or six different trips in one I mean we did the national parks um, we were in we saw Utah, Idaho, Colorado, um, Wyoming, Montana, Washington State, flew up to Anchorage, Alaska, and then came back and then drove to Portland. Um, and yesterday at this time, I was standing on Canyon Beach um, on coastal Oregon, and wow. it was phenomenal. I, I was a little disappointed. We were trying to... Uh, do the coastal Oregon jaunt um, over the weekend. We were trying to do it Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had two, uh, Calamity James was an apt name because we had two uh, instances. Um, one, uh, our rental car, the, the tire pressure kept uh, falling mm-hmm. and we figured there was a slow leak. So that took several hours to resolve. Um, and then, the day we were going to drive down the coast and I was going to try and connect with Jennifer, mm-hmm. um, 
one of the people on our trip had uh, a, a cut that had seemed like it may have started to get infected, so we had to do urgent care. And luckily, she's fine. But with uh, you know, you just want don't want to take a chance um, with any kind of infection. So. Um, I was a little, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful, though, that uh, we can connect with uh, Jennifer Locklear and Morgan um, in August when they're in New York uh, promoting uh, chaos and promoting and their the book. I, and with the way I go up and back and forth to New York every other week and, on, you know, just on the spur of the moment on a Friday night. <laughs> That's right. Uh, to see, I don't know, perhaps, uh, you know, one of the classic all-time greatest performers perhaps how was that trip oh bruce bruce was wonderful hey betty hi betty when it was um my seats were really were were really good seats and i was off way off to the side of the right of the orchestra but it was still you know it was just bruce his guitar his piano and and patty came out and sang two songs and um it was it was an incredible experience just because it's such a small seeing him in a small arena you know mm-hmm. it's not like you're in a giant stadium or right anything like that when you see him so that that made it very intimate and very good and one of the things when we i was leaving i was passing a couple of the ushers and they were talking back and forth and um the guy said one of the guys said to the other, he says, this is the most emotional show I've ever seen him do. And he says, I've been with the show since the beginning. Oh, my gosh. And so I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. So the other day I was just I was playing around on my phone and I went into Google. And here, the very the very first band he was in, the Castiles. Yes. Um, the guy who brought him into the band died. Oh my word! So it just—it blew my mind. It really did blow my mind. So, well, that—what a time to have a kind of a glimpse into his soul. Really? Um, Because he does put—he does put it all out there on stage. So, oh my goodness! He did, and he started out as he was seven, and he told a story about that, and then went into the song "Growing Up." And then he started talking about his father and his father—his father being passed away—and. Uh, he was singing songs about that, and then he did Born in the USA because he talked about reading Ron Kovic. And two, uh, got, there were two band people that, when he was starting up, that he felt were true rock stars. Mm-hmm. And he was standing, uh, he would stand in front of them while they played, and they weren't, and they weren't known. They only played along the Jersey Shore route, band route, right? And um, he said, I would look up at these guys, and they were true rock stars. And they both got drafted into Vietnam and were both killed in Vietnam. So, I mean, there uh, was, he was talking about So that's where it became so emotional. And he would wipe his eyes every now and then. It was like, you know. Oh, my God. Very, very intimate. Very, very intimate. It was it was just a, an, an amazing show, and I'm so glad I got to, do, to go to it. I'm so glad you had. I, I, of, of all the people I know, you were the one person I was hoping could def of of everybody because you have such a long, um, you know, have such a long relationship and um, stalker stalker relationship. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say stalker relationship, but I mean you've been a fan from the beginning, from the and beginning. especially in in growing up um, where you did outside of Philly and. Watching the bands around that area and the scene, um, in the Philly and Jersey area, you know, well, that's, it's just very special for it you. It is, and it, I don't know if any of you ever heard of a band of Tommy Conwell and the Young Rumblers. Yeah, he yes. had this huge following in Philadelphia, and I know he played New York a couple of times. I babysat for Tommy Conwell when he was a little boy. Oh our my pa- God! Our parents were friends. And they would play bridge together, and you know if they needed a babysitter once in a while, they would call me. So my my shots at stardom. 
another another chapter for your book another another round of stalking (laughs) no another chapter for your book (laughs) so anyway anyway, i'm you know i still it's been a week since the big news it has and sr has been everywhere all over the place you can't get rid of him even if you wanted to (laughs) Just oh, kidding, but nobody boss. wants nobody wants to get rid of him. We all want to hear more and more about what's coming. Yes, and I understand that there's another big surprise coming. I I heard that. And I I'm, I'm I keep teasing him that I'm acting like a six year old, and I'm like, please, 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 are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> 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 oh, Betty said another chapter from Pam's Great Adventures. Great Adventures, yes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yes, the boss, uh, the is, boss on is on tour. Literally, both of them. Both of them. Literally, yeah. <laughs> so, anyhow, so we've got some announcements coming up. Uh, Gabriel's Inferno podcaster is going to be celebrating Gabriel's Yes, birthday, speaking of Betty. Speaking of Betty. On the 29th of July, which is a, a wonderful day. It's an ex boyfriend's birthday, too. <laughs> 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 Isn't that terrible? Um, mentioned in the chat that the filming yeah I, this will begin in September of 2019 I had read that in a chat room in one of his chats but so I guess where so we're going next so, fall mm-hmm. I guess we know where we're going next fall yes I think so but are they going to start in Italy or are they going to start in Toronto oh my gosh and then I mentioned in a chat the other day about I asked uh, I think it was last night I said they're going to do you think they'll be able to fit the bird in, uh, or the eagle and child in and the baby mm-hmm. and uh, I said I know it's you know comes later in the in the series and he's like hmm, good question dot 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 so you know it would be so much fun to go to Oxford to be able to see that too oh so, yeah yeah bird the child I love that place it is so tiny and it's just a very cool pub so anywhere Yes, and Betty said he didn't say where they will film yet. I think, aren't they going to be going through and doing uh, kind of a reading as we go and getting some yeah, feedback I, from fans on must-include must scenes? Yeah, he's mentioned that it's going to be starting soon, a read-along of, the, of, of, the Gabriel, of Gabriel's Inferno. So they want to make sure that they can, you know, he can highlight certain scenes that he might want the uh, screenwriter to capture. So, um well, you know, I'm not sure exactly when that starts yet. Um, I know he's, I think he said something maybe about the fall. Mm-hmm. But I would, there's no definite date on that yet. So, anyway, other announcements we have. Uh, Trilogia de Gabriel is on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Mexico time. So I'm not exactly sure what time that is in New York. I think it might be 4, but I could be wrong. And, um, of course, the great news about Passion Flicks opting the uh, movies uh, for the Gabriel series. And they've opted all three books. So that's, that's exciting. That is exciting. It'd be nice if it was a series as opposed to just three different movies. That's and, what I was thinking, too. And just as an FYI, if you're not a member of Passion Flicks, uh, you can go to http colon backslash backslash genius g-e-n-i backslash i-s backslash passion flicks sr and you'll be able to sign up to get it to download passion flicks and they have a lot of different movies out there they have a lot of original stuff that they've done i think the driven series is going to be coming out uh, fairly soon but they i saw that pan but they also put out other movies such as like um, Pride and Prejudice with uh, Kira Knightley and um, Love Story with Ryan O'Neill and Ollie McGraw. Just different types of uh, stuff of movies like that. So that'll be a lot of fun. If you get I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. And just make sure you get into SR's uh, Fox Den on, on Facebook and sign up for his newsletter at www.sylvainreynard.com and that way you, you won't miss out on any of the news <laughs> <sighs> we need to start stalking 
I mean, <laughs> follow, uh, stalking. You mean Betty stalking? <laughs> Passion flicks. Well, I am a founding member, Betty, so I, I keep going. <laughs> so we can keep our eyes open. <laughs> Anywho, so that brings us back to the man in the black suit, and we start with chapter 17. Yes, yes. As you recall, at the end of chapter 16, Acacia is in a point of crisis uh, with the thought going through her head as she talked to Nicholas and finally agreed in resignation that she needs to get out of town and meet him in Geneva. And she's thinking to herself, what have I done as we enter chapter 17? Mm -hmm. And, you know, at, at this point, um, she's really knows that she's in trouble and that she needs to get out of town um, for her safety. Uh, so she knocks on Kate's door. Uh, Rick is at her side and, you know, he's obviously been in a fight. Um, and she also sees that he has an ear earpiece. He's wearing an earpiece, which all security guys tend to do because they're they're talking to their team members. Um, he has her. He has sunglasses, and he's carrying her helmet. And Acacia was carrying Claude's things and had packed everything of importance in a suitcase. Um, all of her worldly possessions that she cared about because as you might recall Nicholas had said you need to anything that is of value to you you have to get out of the apartment um, so obviously Claude was her top priority um, and so she packed everything um, including Marcel's journal in the suitcase um, knocking at the door at this early hour Kate answers it and is very disoriented and I should say I, I'm sharing her feeling right now I'm a bit disoriented after flying a red eye all night to get back home um, and she is talking to Acacia and she's like what time is it and what's going on and Acacia seriously said in French that she needs a favor and um, it's early and she, she needs help. Mm -hmm. So Kate ends up noticing Rick and she's like, whoa, you know, what's that? Which I thought was really funny. Um, and you know, Rick as SR, you know, SR describes him as a big, a big guy. Yeah, um, security guy. Yeah. And, uh, so I can imagine Kate who's half asleep, um, opening the door for her friend who seems very serious and is like, I need a favor. Um, and then she sees this big guy. She's probably like, what's going on? And um, as Betty said, yes, Acacia loves little Claude. And so true, he does. Um, and Johnny loves Kate noticing Rick, which I... I thought that was a, I thought that was fun. That could be a whole other side story, right? Down Most down definitely. the road. Most <laughs> I hope the boss is taking notes. Between Kate, um, and Rick, and Luke. <laughs> exactly the triangle. Um, so Acacia had said to Rick that she needed a minute to talk to Kate, um, but Rick, um, in pure security guard fashion, was like, "I'm not letting you out of my sight." So um, they both go into her apartment. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, Jenny, book two. I totally agree. Um, Acacia proceeded to tell her that she'd been attacked at the hotel. She asked to leave for a few days. And Acacia was speaking to her in French because she thought Rick might not know French as well, since he's American. And I think she was trying to protect her privacy a bit. Um, so Kate was concerned because um, Acacia said she had to leave for a few days and she asked if she was okay and uh, essentially Acacia was like she had a few bruises um, she didn't have time she really needed to get out but could she entrust sweet little Claude um, with Kate during the time she's away and of course Kate said yes she would take care of Claude mm -hmm. um, 
but what happened you know kate kate's really inquisitive and she's trying to dig in and find out <clears throat> what is going on with her friend um did security ignore you um did she call the police you know kate's ready to go down the road in 20 questions and um akasi was trying to keep it very low profile low key and just said something's going on at the hotel she was going to go away until she knew what, what she was doing and you know at this point kate's like look you know you need to call luke this is crazy that that she's in this kind of danger and she hasn't let him know and of course we know that because of the brb because of where luke worked akasi really couldn't call him because someone was on the take there that's right so you know it's very very challenging um Acacia shook her head and told her that she had to go. Um, Kate was worried and asked if she was going against her will. And I love this part, too. I could totally see her doing this. Just blink if you're being held against your will. <laughs> Acacia <laughs> probably had her, her eyes wide open, staring back at her, you know, saying, you know, this is okay. This is my choice. I'm not being taken against my will. Uh, <laughs> Um, but, of course, Kate's a dear friend and wanted to make sure she was okay. She asked her to let her know and ch check in with her every day. Um, if she didn't hear from her, she was going to call Luke. And, yes, Betty, I agree she's a good friend. Um, and also that uh, the idea of uh, Kate and Luke and Rick is an interesting triangle. I think that would be really oh, fun. Yeah. Um, so Acacia assured her that if she did not hear from her, that she would want her to call Luke um, and have him talk to Madame Bishop at KLH where she had the interview. Uh, Kate hoped Acacia knew what she was doing. Um, and Rick at this point was like, they have to go because they were trying to move quickly. Acacia gave a hug to her friend and said goodbye to Claude. That is the end. Oh, and it's so hard, it's so hard Ch to say goodbye to your babies like that. I know. know. How long you're going to be gone for. Oh. Yeah, I agree. And it, and it was, uns I mean, it's unsettling to begin with. So, you know, Claude can sense, you know, your, your pets can sense your angst. They can sense your happiness. They can sense your mood. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was unsettling for them to do that. Um, and for her to leave Claude in that kind of disarray. I, I think, though, Acacia probably took solace in knowing that she could entrust her beloved Claude to Kate. Yeah. Um, sometimes people won't move ahead or do things if they don't have a if way they, to care for their care pets. Their pets that's right. And um, even to their own detriment. So, yeah, I, saw, <laughs> I saw that at the, uh, at the shore during Hurricane Sandy about people who didn't want to leave, but um, you know, you, now they, they opened up, they've opened up lots of different shelters for pets and you can take your pets with you too, which is a good thing. I agree. So. And I see that Claude said meow, Betty meow. said Claude said meow. <laughs> and Karen also, going, <laughs> Karen also agreed that, um, that would be a fun triangle. Yes. Betty says she agrees. Pets are little, are our little babies. So true. And I have so a, true. I have a, nine-month-old kitten running around trying to catch a fly. <laughs> I cannot believe that little baby is nine months old already. Yes, he is. Oh, yes, my yes. gosh. My little orphan. So sweet. Yes, he is. She, she is, and she, and except with Isabella. She doesn't like Isabella. <laughs> and Isabella <laughs> well, can't Isab leave her alone. <laughs> That's because Isabella wants to love her, love her, love her so much. Pick her up and hold her, and, and, and now she starts... Hissing and meowing, so you gotta, you gotta move along. <laughs> so. so now we go to chapter, chapter 18. 18. And Acacia's not a fool, and she's no, she knows she's taking a risk. And so on the way to her at the airport, she texted the information to Kate about Madame Bishop and KLH's information. And she also attaches Luke's number. And you know, sends that off to her in case there's any problem, you know, Kate's like, if I don't hear from you. And uh, also, she said that, uh, you know, this, uh, then 
the next thing that came along was a, a message from Luke, and, you know, there, she's like, I can't answer that. She says, well, you know, as, as she found out what was going on a little bit at the hotel and the fact that, there, that the guard had been pulled, she realized that uh, she couldn't tell Luke because she couldn't trust the, his fellow uh, BRB uh, folks. And so then when she didn't answer the text, he called her and left a voicemail. Right, you right. Know, and, and I, you know, I'm curious uh, for those of you on the podcast currently, um, would you trust Luke at this point or because of the BRB situation, would you not? I'm just curious what you thought about that. I'm, I'm, me, I'm torn on that. I don't me, know what I would yeah, have done. For me personally, I would try. I think I would trust Luke, but I don't think I could because she obviously she dated him for a while. Right. Um, but I, I, the fact that the, the, the guy was pulled wasn't there when she left work. I, I'd be very leery of trusting anybody after that. I know. See, I, I'm kind of in the same boat because unless she talks to Luke and say, look, not only did this happen, but the BRB agent who was supposed to be watching me didn't, you know, I feel though. You know, that would be putting Luke in jeopardy and danger, too. So I think part of it is she would be worried to embroil him in this when she doesn't know what's really going on. Um, and she just knows something's wrong with where he's working. Plus, she also knows he, it's almost like mandatory reporting, right? That he's mm-hmm. going to have to say something. And too many variables. Right. Too many. I, and- Betty agrees that uh, she would trust Luke, but not the friends. Mm-hmm. And Joni agreed with that also. And as Luke my... noticed, no one was with Acacia. Right. Um, and Karen also said, I would trust Luke, but only if I could talk to him in person. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? That's a really good point too, Karen, because you don't even know if his calls would be monitored. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you ever Ooh. saw the movie Witness... Oh my gosh! <laughs> when when you find out that it's the guy in the the, the policeman in the office. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's creepy. So, but, and Betty she, said she found it a little odd that he was not keeping such a close look at Acacia's safety. Yeah, I I don't know though, Betty, because first of all, she you know she's trying to keep it a little independent from him although he is enamored of her but i think he also has all this trust in his fellow agents right so and and that's that's pretty true with any any anybody in uh police work i think that um you do trust your fellow uh you know cops or agents or inspectors or detectives whatever's going on so Mm -hmm. but so anyway so keisha wasn't comfortable with what was going on uh, you know, she's here, she's with Rick, and she's got Nicholas, you know, going to save her, quote-unquote. And, right. uh, you know, because he'd come to her aid, but she's like, you know, it's the lesser of two evils. Does she stay, or does she then call Luke, or does she go? And uh, so as Rick escorted her through Charles de Gaulle Airport, which is a very cool airport, by the way, um, he introduced her to Kurt, who was another security agent with... Um, with Nicholas and he Kurt would be taking the rest of the trip with her while Rick hung back and sees to see what he could uh, do what could develop with him so uh, they get they flew business class which is very nice mm-hmm. very nice, <laughs> very nice. yes I, I had a, my friend my one one of my friends was flying business class and my other friend and I were flying um, back with the real people, <laughs> as we would say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they get a lot of nice little perks sitting in the business class uh, yeah, section. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I, I, flew, I flew with the regular people from um, Paris to Italy. But when I went from Italy to London, I got upgraded. And when I flew back and forth across on uh, the ocean, went back and forth to Philadelphia. I was upgraded both times, so I was lucky. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. And, and Betty was saying... <laughs> yeah, right. 
Betty was saying that uh, you should, you know, take a look at Nicholas. He kept Rick close to Acacia, and thanks to Nicholas, Acacia was not harmed. That's true. That is true. And I think that goes to Nicholas's sense of duty um, to make sure no blood would be shed because of him. That's exactly right. And, you know, uh, so Kurt was, he was very nice. He helped her, you know, get through customs real quick, and, and I met, they met up with the waiting limousine. So as, as Kurt is opening the door, all of a sudden she hears from inside, Good morning, mademoiselle. <laughs> and, uh, that kind of startled her. It was Nicholas. And as always, he was dressed in his ubiquitous, and that's from the book, ubiquitous, <laughs> black suit. And he also had a purple tie that was just a shade darker than his purple shirt. Mm-hmm. I think SR likes the color purple. He's got purple towels with with uh, <laughs> Gabriel and right. and you know, purple ties and shirts. Right. <laughs> he was clean shaven, and his scar was invisible. You know, which Acacia wondered how about about how she, about that as soon as she was putting the seatbelt on. Um. Nicholas asked her how her flight was and offered her water. She was looked very tired. And he didn't ask if it was still or sparkling. It was strictly sparkling. <laughs> My goodness. Cat just knocked a chair over. The little oh, no. the fly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and I just saw Betty's comment. No offense, but what the heck? Is Nicholas sneaking around like Batman? <laughs> of course he is. He's Superman. He's everywhere. Yes, that's right. So, um, so she, they, she looked really tired and, and he'd offered her the water and she had only been able to sleep for a short time on the flight from Paris to Geneva because I don't think it would be a very, very long flight between the two. Um, and she asked where he was taking her, but Nicholas lifted his hand to keep her quiet and had the driver pull to the side of the road and out of the airport. Now, here, not knowing what was going on around me, I would be a right. little concerned. Right. You know, I, I know. Even in reading, what I, I know reading that for the first time, it was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I, I have visions of James Bond. I think when, um, it was an odd job pulled him over the side. Or there was a driver that pulled mm-hmm. him off. And, oh, it was the driver from uh, Goldfinger. Exactly. Doctor, no, whatever. Anyway, but so they, I had visions of that. So, But anyway, the driver pulled over and there was a small Asian man out of a van. Uh, Nicholas assured her that it was okay and just kept uh, uh, just going to sweep you for any listening devices. And she agreed and the man came over with a silver briefcase which I love those silver attache cases. Those metal oh cases. yes. So he took out a small metal detector and proceeded to wander down. I had to get wandered down at the Bruce Springsteen thing the other night too. That was cool. Um, I got wa- I got wanded um at 11.30 last night as I was going through security in Portland because my pants had uh, metal buttons on them uh-huh. at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Betty thought that the killer um, was nearby or perhaps there was a bomb in the car. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, and again, this is, this speaks to SR's uh, writing and he's, he's quite good at suspense. Yes, you know. Is. Um, putting us on edge. Mm-hmm. So any, so he, she, he's, she's getting wanded. Sounds kinky. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so after scanning her, uh, he also did Nicholas and Kurt, and then he got back in his car. And Nicholas explained, "Oh, that was when." part of the security team <laughs> and uh, they can all now speak <laughs> oh my gosh getting wanded now is going to be a phrase i have a feeling um betty said ha 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 pam that's for another chapter <laughs> well yeah you know those wants are like you know, i've had it happen a couple of times 
obviously Friday night at this, when I was going, you have to go through security to get into the theater. But during the Democratic National Convention, Morning Joe was airing out of this, this place in Philadelphia, this bar that was like opened in like 1840 and it's McGillan's and it's, it's a really cool little place and it's off, way, like, off a side street, a little tiny alley type of thing. And, and uh, but they, when we, anybody who went to that also had, a, had got a wanted and you had to keep your pocketbook open the whole nine yards. So yes, I've been wanted couple times <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's too funny but it is actually you know I'm, I'm glad I'd rather have them be safe and sure. take precautions than have uh, something bad slip through so yeah, well when I went to London I had to stand in that machine with my hands over my head and they x-rayed uh -huh. me and I said if you see anything wrong let me know so I can tell my doctor <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> what did they say to that? No, I'm sure they've heard it before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love so, it. Just don't sell the pictures, please. <laughs> <laughs> so now that... Um, now, Betty's laughing. Now that um, when uh, conducted the wanding and uh, they are now secure, um, Nicholas felt comfortable speaking and... Yeah, I'm Betty said yes, Christian does, Gray has he? another type of <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think I've seen them. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we digress. But we yes. digress. Um, Akasi had mentioned to Nicholas that he did not have her scanned at KLH or at the hotel. So I think she's very suspicious at this point. Like, why are you doing this now? And he reminded her that there was security when she was at those buildings. And at the Victoire, his advanced team had gone through the hotel before he arrived, when anyone had come in or after they had left. Um, so the hotel was aware that he was doing screenings. Um, she wasn't bugged, and he did not want her to have want to have her scanned because he was concerned she would spread the word about his anti-surveillance practices. Um, and Acacia asked if he had ever found anything. And I think this helped to frame and put perspective um, onto the type of world that Nicholas lives in when he said, um, well, yes, as a matter of fact, um, on his last visit, there were six devices. And, you know, Acacia being the curious uh, and really smart woman that she is wanted to know why someone would listen in but Nicholas um, told her it's not just listening it's also video they're looking for blackmail material in a case they could use it against him we all have enemies he says mm -hmm. so you know he's really he is really living in the in a world of espionage even though he uh, you know is kind of going through it on his own terms it, there's a lot of intrigue um, now that she now that she was wanted um, has no bugs she wants to know uh, where they were going and Nicholas tells her that he's taking her to his parents home nothing like meeting the parents uh, you know when you're escaping uh, escaping the bad guys uh, exactly <laughs> Um, and he said they're not home, but he's trying to find out about the men who attacked her and that the house um, is incredibly safe. Um, she asks if it's by the airport, and Nicholas says that it's not by the airport in Paris, it's by Colony. And the house has full staff and excellent security. Um, bye, KK. Bye, KK. Karen's running. I'm so glad you could join us today, and I'm hoping to see you soon, Karen, now that I'm back in Pennsylvania. Um, Betty had said that the, that comment reminded her of the men from UNCLE. Both spies bugged each other's rooms. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, I saw that movie not too long ago, the, the remake with um, our one of our favorites, Henry Cavill. And... Um, it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. And I understand yeah. they're making a second one or the second one's coming uh, out. Another Man from Uncle? Yeah. Oh, uh, I haven't heard about a second one. I know he just finished MI6 and he's doing the 
promos on that right now because uh, this girl Annette that I'm in another in a 50s group with, mm -hmm. she's like obsessed with Henry Cavill. And uh, in fact, she moved from Australia. She lived in in uh, Melbourne, Australia, to London, so she could be near him. Wow. And she has, you know, those Funk Funko or uh, figurines that they have out. She's yeah. got she's got him dressed up as Superman and as Clark Kent. And when I was in uh, London, I met up with her and we went on the eye and did some stuff. Henry came with us, <laughs> and Henry had his picture taken many times. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh! And she was uh, she she was on the red carpet. Um, in fact, she had a picture taken with him on the red carpet at the uh, MI6 premiere in London last week, last Friday night. Oh, very cool! Very cool. She went to the hairdresser and had her hair all done and her nails. I. He's supposedly a very nice, very nice person. She says he is. She's met him a few times. Um, she's met all of his brothers actually. Oh my gosh! And uh, she, you know, and, uh, but I, I don't, I don't. It's just a little bit too much. It's just a little too much, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Know, she's a fan. She's a, she's a lot more than a fan. She's a super fan. <laughs> and I want to be nice because she gets crap for it all the time. I know, but. A couple of us, the three of us, go into a, are in a chat room at least once a day mm -hmm. on Facebook, and um, you know, like the direct messaging. And she is—it's it, scary. It's we worry yeah. about her. The other, the other two women I'm in the group with, with we—I've talked about it many times. Yeah. So, well, hopefully, anyhow. you know, hopefully, uh, well everything all of their interactions have been positive and it will continue to be that way and I as betty so. mentioned on the chat she said he seemed nice and mm -hmm. army is taller than henry yes That's he is true. army by I the way army. another he's awesome as well and i believe mj has met him uh and said that he was ex extremely kind um he which comes is awesome from an extremely wealthy family his father was Armand Hammer, who was Occidental Petroleum. Oh, yes. And, uh, or his great-grandfather, one or the other. And um, so he grew up a rather privileged life. He, I think he lived in the Caribbean growing up. Uh, his parents oh. were very religious. They were in a nice. very uh, evangelical Christian group, and that's where they lived. Oh, wow. So. I'd love to, I would love to grow up in the Caribbean. <laughs> Say Thomas, I think, would be okay. Yes. Uh, and Betty said that MJ was with her when, when they, they saw, the saw the them premiere. together at the premiere. Army was the best, very kind. I'm so happy to hear that, yeah. Betty. I love I love that. And I loved him um, in the movie that came out last year. Oh, with the boy? Oh, my gosh. I watched it. I watched it on the flight over to Greece. I'm blanking on the name of it, but he was so, so very good in that film. Oh my gosh. What, what an actor. He was, yeah. he was tremendous. Um, he, he, he just was great. Um, he probably could be a good, yes. Thank you, Call Betty. Me Call me by your name. He could probably be a good Nicholas. Just throwing it out well, there. I think he would be a great Paul. Oh, Betty, what do you think? Army Hammer as Paul. What do you think? I feel like I feel like Paul would be a little more stocky, a little uh, more I, meaty. I could still see him. <laughs> I could still see him as uh, definitely see him as Paul. I could too. I could too. Oh, Betty just said the audiobook is amazing too. Army narrates the book. Oh, cool. Army is her, Army is her Paul. Oh, I love it! I love it. He's he's great. Um, now I now I might have to get the audiobook. I uh, thank you for that uh, sharing that with us, Betty. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so we're at the point where Acacia and Nicholas are talking, and Acacia pretty much is like, you know, Nicholas, you don't really know me. 
Um, but Nicholas takes responsibility for his actions. And when he looks in the mirror, he may not always like what he sees, but he can live with himself. And this is where I was saying about his standing up and, and being a protector. And, you know, he cannot live with himself if something happened to her because of him. She's in trouble because of him. And, you know, she asks about the scare and how did it happen, uh, the scar, and how did it happen since they're having this dialogue. And he just ignores the questions. Um, in which case, Acacia, you know, really knows deep down that it must have been a very traumatic experience for him to not be open about that. So, and I see Betty, <laughs> it was seeing Betty's comments uh, about <laughs> Joni has <laughs> and Joni um, Joni's Googling is Googling <laughs> Army right and that uh, that Paul is independent but very strong and kind which would totally fit mm -hmm. and Dante makes a special appearance in Call Me By Your Name the book I love I it Mm-hmm. I think they did reference Dante. I'm trying to remember. I feel like they referenced Dante in the movie also because they were, um, you know, professors and academics in the in the movie. I feel like Dante was actually discussed. So Dante's everywhere. Yes, he is. And, and yeah. somebody's been quoting him quite a bit lately on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, I know. That was beautiful the other day, wasn't it? Um so Acacia asked how long it would take him to find out who attacked her. And he didn't think it would take that long as he had some suspicions. He just needed to confirm them. And when asked, he tells Acacia that he thinks organized crime is probably running things through the hotel using Marcel and Monsieur Roy. And it's possible the attack was simply to frighten her. But given what happened to Marcel, you know, he didn't want to be too certain. Betty was saying that the Dante statue recites a few lines in the book. Virgil is also mentioned. Very cool. Very cool. Um, back uh, to the discussion with Acacia, um, she said she couldn't understand why all the effort to try and get rid of her. And uh, this is something I have heard of before. I don't know if you had heard of this before this book. Um, Nicholas said it's the iceberg effect. When you're seeing an iceberg, most of it is under the surface. You're only seeing about one-tenth of what's really going on. Um, and it's the same thing for this iceberg effect. Um, you're only seeing about a tenth of what's really going on at the hotel. It's true. So it, it's, 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 it's kind of an interesting phenomena. Um, I think a, lo a lot of people in law enforcement refer to that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. it's almost like where there's smoke, there's fire, that saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It happens to be if there's something that um, appears to be going on, there often is. So There's always something hidden under the surface. And, right. And especially in law enforcement uh, or investigative uh, work, you have to look for it. You have to keep digging for it. That's right. And, and Joni um, just chatted, chimed in about... Uh, saying that's cool I'm thinking that she's referring to the Dante reference in Call Me By Your Name um, which I agree is very cool um, so Acacia as she's going through this and absorbing all of what Nicholas is telling her mentions she has to tell Monsieur Roy that she's not coming in um, so Nicholas assures her that there's Wi-Fi at the house and asks what she's going to say, and she wasn't quite sure at this point. Uh, she's not in a hurry to quit, but she doesn't want to be fired. Uh, she's trying to protect her reputation, um, because as you remember, she loves being a concierge. Um, so she's kind of settling on the idea about possibly saying she's ill. Um, and Nicholas thought that was a good choice, but he wondered why it, and if she had any other interactions with any other guests at the hotel or employees. Um, yeah, I, think, I think he was kind of worried about that, thinking that maybe 
somebody caught her and just trying to bring her into something else. Right, right. And, you know, if if there's anything else being mentioned. Um, and I think he's also being very careful because I think he's trying to determine where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and if there are other people that were trying to talk to her, maybe to find out if she knew anything from Marcel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's trying to cover his bases and be thorough. Yeah, and, Ac- and Acacia said to him, there's really been nothing unusual. And that's why it was so strange. So, and, and Nicholas is like, as they're talking about it, they're almost at the house. And, and when they pulled up to the gate, he spoke to a security guard, which opened the gate. And uh, I wonder if had that type of gate or whether it just opened up naturally. <laughs> and, but when they pulled up to a three-story mansion with beautiful grounds and well-landscaped gardens, and the driver parked the limo and he helped Acacia, and helped Acacia get out of the car and retrieved her luggage and she was followed by Nicholas who led her into the house. She's trying to, that's right, Betty, she's trying to be uh, professional and responsible. Meanwhile, the boss couldn't care less if Acacia shows up for work. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, though, pulling up to this kind of a estate... I love the, his description of this place, and it made me want to go. I know. I was, I was ready to, I was Three ready to stories, be invited. Mm-hmm. Carriage house. Always wanted to rent a carriage house when I was younger. I know. It was fun to live in. Anyway. Never I know. Happened. There's, there's, uh, my office uh, building is. We rent space on the first floor. And it, the property has a carriage house in the back, which is now two apartments. And I thought that would be the coolest thing if I could buy that whole, if I had the funds to buy the whole property, I would love that. I would love to live in the carriage house and rent out the whole front. Yes. But yes. It would be so cool. Um, I am not, I'm playing with my magic wand. Yes. But not that kind of <laughs> wand. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> Since I I have a supersonic broom, I have to have a wand too. So right. Well, you know. Yeah, you know, when you're a witch, we ha- you're a witch. No. <laughs> with <laughs> with William, you have the hankies, and now yeah, with Nicholas, we have the wand. We have found it. We, we, we knew we would. <laughs> oh my so, gosh! So as Nicholas is leading her to the house. Uh, there was a mature woman who waited for them just inside, and Nicholas greeted her. Good morning, Juliet, and kissed both of her cheeks. It's been a long time for both, and she, she then, he then introduced her, her to Acacia, uh, saying that she'd be staying for a few days, and Juliet welcomed her. Now, the housekeeper that's probably known Nicholas since he was knee-high to grasshopper and... Exactly, Hi, very trusted. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen you. Why haven't you been around? <laughs> almost exactly. Like a, almost like being a mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they, when the entry opened up into an ornate decorated hall. Now this always, this always gets me because you get these huge, in mansions like that, you get these monstrous halls with the stairs and mm-hmm. beautiful wood carved stairs and stuff like that. And they had hardwood floors and wood paneling with oil paintings. And a crystal chandelier, and I'm wondering if it was a Waterford crystal, or whether it was uh, Viennese crystal. Oh, good, good question. It could be either one, mm-hmm. given their background. That's right. Uh, so Juliet offered to take her to a room and to, to get her help get set up, and then she said that breakfast was going to be served in the dining room. Now I can remember when I was in Ireland, and we went to the first day. We the first night we were there, we stayed at this place. Dromolan Castle, and it's on Carrick on Fer- Fergus, in um, near Shannon Airport in, in Ireland. And I remember walking into this place. Now this is an old castle, and it's all stone. And the, the you walk in, and there's like a small desk with the concierge to one side. And oh, it's just magnificent. And, and but I it, it was like 6:30 in the morning when we arrived, and. I decided Patrick was hungry and, and we decided we were going to go get something to eat before we went to bed. And um, we walked into the dining room and this 
young guy in white tie and tails and gloves greets us. Good morning, mother. How are you? And I was like ready to kill him. I think I was, uh, I don't even think I was <laughs> at that point. And, um, you know, off across the face. Anyhow, but it was a lot of, it was, it, it just, the ornateness of it was just really very cool. Oh. Well, and Betty, as she said in the chat room, she's ready to move to Switzerland if she gets to live in a house like Nicholas's parents' home. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Uh, plus, she also thinks the book, this book discussion just got a lot better with the mention of the wand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wands can make it exciting. And um, <laughs> oh, is it with, I have the elderberry wand? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, but she's shaking her head and she's looking at Nicholas and Nicholas is saying, you know, look, she said, I've been up all night. I just want to go to bed, go, go upstairs. And, and, and she's like, it's like, oh, no problem. No problem. We'll send a tray up uh, and introduces her to Gretel and uh, she'll help you with whatever you may need. And off she goes. So Nicholas excuses himself saying he has some business to conduct and asked if she would be ready for dinner at seven, which she agreed to. And uh, but she had some questions about the security of the house. Uh, Nicholas told her that where all the wands were. No, um, Nicholas told her where <laughs> there were that there were armed guards and with guard dogs patrolling the grounds, and there was cameras all to cover all the perimeter, as well as motion motion sensors on all the windows and the entrances. And then when she asked about if there were tunnels, he told her that there were, and she he asked about the safety of the tunnels. He said, well, they're basically used to for escape purposes but um he he says you could try using explosives on the doors but they would they wouldn't be number one they'd give themselves away right away number two they were pretty thick so they probably couldn't get through so nick acacius uh said thank you to nicholas and headed up the stairs and ducking her head so she couldn't see how emotional she was at that point and I, I mean, I think this is really telling because this is, um, this shows how shaken she is by this incident, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she handled herself well when she was attacked because she has her martial arts training. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's almost like she was in the in the minute and her adrenaline. She had such an adrenaline rush, and now she's finally kind of processing everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the the gravity of the situation is kind of hitting her hard. And I don't think she wanted Nicholas to see just how um, how frightened she was. Yeah, and, and, you know, plus she's overtired. And mm-hmm. she's in a spot now where she can just sort of go, oh, you know, and it's right just all jumped up on her at one shot. So I can imagine. I think it's really overwhelming. Very. Very. I mean, I, you know, she's in a stranger's house. She's in a different country. She's gone through hell in a handbasket because somebody tried to attack her. She's had to throw everything that's worth anything in her life into a bag and take her cat to be taken care of by a friend. Be, you know, and so that's, I'd be, I'd be like lost forever. Right. And as Betty said, she's finally understanding what's happening. Yeah. It's a scary situation to be in. Yeah. I completely agree with that. It would yeah. be unsettling. You know, I can, I can, you know, from my, on, on my personal side, I can, I can remember being in a situation where you have to react. You can't, you can't sit there and let it sink in. You got to make sure this is done, this is done, this is done, and that's done. And then when it's all done and you sit down, it's, it was like the floodgates just opened. Right. You know? And it just, you don't, you, everything that was going on during that particular day, um, you know, it was hard to react to because, you know, um, it, it, it's actually the day my husband passed away. And having to deal with all that and the undertaker and the police and the um, medical examiner that came to the house and uh, for the so he could be pronounced and then the undertaker coming and taking him away and then people coming my sister showed up and my aunt who was half blind drove from her house to come over and then having to go to an undertaker's and so finally everything it's like eight o'clock at night and it's like uh, it's the other thing i had to get a new box spring and mattress that night 
I had to have that mm. delivered. So now, you know, I've got all this stuff going on and then just to sit down and go, oh, and I just completely lost it. Oh. I just completely lost it that night. It's so understandable. Yeah. So I can, I can, I can totally empathize with what she was going through. Yeah. Just so much life upheaval in such a short period of time. Oh, so. I'm so sorry you had to go through that, Pam. Yeah. You know, it, it's part, it's part of life. I know it's life, part of life. I know, but uh, it's. It's a lot, and it is um, a lot. as Betty said, and poor Cassia can't really talk to anyone about what's happening to her. No. Um, and you know, I agree with that. She doesn't even have anyone she can process this with. No, she doesn't. Um, she doesn't know Nicholas, even right. though she's in his house. She, right. She can't she tell really. Kate. Because mm -hmm. Kate, Kate would be all over to stay where she is and call this and do that right kate kate would bring in luke and then it would get really complicated and as joni says and who knows what could happen next that's right, right. i mean she's kind of uh reliant right now on nicholas uh on his good graces and to keep him safe right. so oh. so that is the end of chapter 18 it's hard to believe and i haven't been i know last week with sr being on the chat room we didn't do any affirmations um and i know uh i believe pam mentioned that we did have uh, someone write in and say that they were thankful their sr affirmation was that they were thankful that he was able to join our podcast last week so I second that, and I'm thankful that he'll be able to join uh, the Gabriel Series Fan Podcast on July 29th, mm -hmm. um, because it's always a great time when uh, SR is in the chat room with Betty and Perling. Always a fun to be had then. I think Karen's going to be with them, too. Oh, I saw that. I saw that Karen's um, one of the special guests. Yes. So that'll be a real treat. Yes, it will be. It'll, and, be um, It'll be a good party. And should I, better, <laughs> should I get some more of my champagne, champagne that I had last week? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. It was very She's nice saying champagne. party time. Karen will join me. Um, yes, because Betty was reflecting on the, the end of the chapter. At this point, Akasi has lost control of everything, which is unsettling. Um kind of how we feel when uh, <laughs> when there's so much going on at once um, and you already the order's been placed now Pam All right. champagne champagne for that podcast on champagne the 29th podcast, yes. and um, I just wanted to share my affirmation of gratitude and thanks for uh, the friends and family that allowed me to make my epic journey and uh, I'm grateful for learning more about our country and about the wonderful people that are in our country and it's good to remember that in our challenging times and I'm thankful I made it home safely it's always good to make it home safely you flew into Philadelphia I did indeed I, I could have waved, waved to you this morning at 7.30 when I was delirious. I, I was up at quarter to six, so you could have called. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If, uh, if, if I wasn't carpooling with my uh, friend Suzanne, whom you met, mm -hmm. you remember Suzanne. Yes. Um, I would have tried. I, was, I, I actually had thought about trying to connect with you. Um, but we were so zonked at that point. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and we're fortunate that my other friend's husband picked us up and from the airport, which was lovely because uh, we didn't have to drive home. Um, from he, we didn't have to drive from the airport. It was lovely. Mm. <laughs> that is nice, especially when you're on a long flight like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yes, Betty. <laughs> I took to the friendly skies, and they were they were indeed friendly. It was beautiful. <laughs> So we will be back actually Friday on yes. our Friday night monthly podcast at 9 p.m. New York time. So please join us if you're available. We'll be going over stuff that we from, uh, I believe, chapter 
from 13 on uh, with yeah. anybody who has not had a chance to get involved. So we look forward to that. Um, I don't know if their wand will be available at that point in time, but <laughs> we can always check it out. <laughs> I know. I, I I think I think we've uh, I think we found our uh, our niche. Our niche, the wand. The wand. So anyway, <laughs> I'm again. so glad. I hope you guys can join us, and I hope uh, we'll be able to have some other friends who typically can't fit in at can't this time. So that'll be, be great. Fun. It'll be fun. So anyway, so have have a great night, everybody, and we'll. St- Hopefully talk to you Friday. If not, we'll be back. See you next next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. And we'll be going over uh, Chapter 19 on Wednesday. And you all have a wonderful, wonderful night. And I'm going to leave you with a little bit of, where is this? Um, Norwegian Wood by Sergio Mendez in Brazil, 66. But I looked around